Turn with me to Luke chapter 10. I want to preach a message for this Mother's Day entitled, At the Feet of Jesus. One day a teacher was teaching her elementary school class the story of Jesus visiting Mary and Martha, and she carefully explained how Martha had hurried to clean the house and then busied herself to cook a special meal, and she paused and asked, What would you do if Jesus was going to visit your house today? One little girl quickly responded, I'd put the Bible on the table. (laughs) Which is a sermon in itself, amen. (laughs) But it begs the question, what would you do if Jesus was going to visit your house today? If he called and he said, hey, yeah, is it okay if I come to your house? Well, sure. Well, I was thinking today. Today. Like, when today? Well, like, I'm thinking I'll be there in an hour. Sure, Jesus, and then you would hang up the phone. You remember Kevin from Home Alone, where he runs around, he starts going crazy? That would be most of us, wouldn't it? Trying to clean up, tidy up, most of us would pull up. Martha. John Ortberg said this in his article, Taking Care of Business. He said, for most of us, the great danger is not that we will renounce our faith, It is that we will become so distracted and rushed and preoccupied we'll settle for a mediocre version of it. Tim LaHaye, he rightly points out, the Lord's priorities are not the same as ours. Jesus isn't as concerned about our lace tablecloths and clean kitchens as we are. He's concerned with the state of our heart. He's more interested in the time we spend at His feet reflecting on His words and resting in His presence. You see, the truth is, Jesus has given you an invitation to come and meet with you at your house on a daily basis. And many of us miss out on it much like Martha did because we're TCBing, taking care of busyness. As old expression has said, we're busy, burdened under Satan's yoke. If he can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. And so I wholeheartedly believe the gift that Jesus wants to give you most this morning is the gift of Mary to learn to abide at His feet. Mary's mentioned three times in the Gospels and every time we find her, you know where we find her? At the feet of Jesus. It has some very valuable lessons to teach us today and it doesn't matter whether you're a mother or not. You can learn something from today's lesson. And it ain't just on Mother's Day we need this lesson. We need it 24-7, 365, brothers and sisters. But no better day than today to learn to abide at Jesus' feet. It's a place of stillness, and we want to see that there we can forget our cares, feed our souls, focus our priorities, and find ourselves. So stand with me to honor the reading of God's Word, Luke chapter 10, verses 38 to 42. Luke writes, Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house, and she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. The Word of God 
the people of God, preach in the power of the Spirit of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that we can call you Abba Father. We thank you that we can call you Daddy. We thank you for those in our lives that we can call Mama. We thank you for the gift of life. We thank you that every gift that we have comes from you. And so we acknowledge that. We turn everything back to praise to you today. Father, teach each and every one of us here today, whether we're a mother or not, whether it's Mother's Day or any other day, the Father, the greatest gift that we can have is you, and the second greatest is to just sit at your feet and soak you up. Teach us that now as we read and study and proclaim your word, for it's in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. So first, I want us to look at that at the feet of Jesus we can forget our cares. We can forget our cares. Let me ask you, how would you define stress? It's been variously defined as the demands placed upon us and the strength we have to meet those. One of my favorite is the gap of perceived versus actual expectation. If I perceive that the expectation is this and the actual is this, do you see how much stress I'm going to be under? If the actual is this and my perceived is that, you see that the stress is less. It also has been said it's the degree to which we take our eyes off of Jesus and put them on our problems. That's a great definition of stress. Because how many times do we take our eyes off of Jesus and put them on our problems and the farther you get away from Jesus and on your problems, the more stressed you're going to be. It's been said that we as Americans are all stressed up and nowhere to go. We consume four and a half million pounds of aspirin a year. We're stressed out and we got the medical bills to prove it. So let's take this as the stress, that stress is the gap of perceived and actual expectation. And look at verse 38. And as they went on their way, Jesus enters the village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. Now I want to ask you, what do you think Jesus' expectations were for that meal and for Martha? You think he would have been happy with a TV dinner and then to sit down and listen to him? Or do you think he wanted a five-course meal and then maybe a five-minute devotion after supper? You think he wanted a five-minute supper and two hours of teaching or two hours of supper and five minutes of teaching? You see, Martha had great intentions but she misunderstood the Lord's expectations and so because the expectation was probably here but she perceived it up here she stressed herself out and so as such it cost her and I want you to think of two ways it cost her first is physically turn with me to Matthew chapter 6 if you are a worrier a stressor a nervous ninny, Matthew chapter 6, 25 to 34 is some good verses for you, but for all of us. Amen? Look at Matthew 6. Jesus says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. Do you know the number one thing I see in my office? It ain't diabetes. It ain't high blood pressure. It ain't heart attacks, cancer, and strokes. It is anxiety. It is stress. Don't be anxious about your life. What will you will eat or what you will drink 
nor about your body, what you'll put on it is not life more than food and the bird, body more than clothing. Look at the birds. Y'all ever seen any birds running around on Prozac and Xanax and wringing their hands? <laughs> if they did have hands. They don't sow nor reap nor gather in the barns yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not a more valued than they? Don't you think that you're a more valued uh, guy than a uh, robin? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? Do you know that that is one of the most common verses I quote in my practice? Do you think you can make yourself one inch taller or add one more second to your life by worrying as much as you're worrying? And sometimes I have to look in the mirror and remind myself of that. Why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They don't toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown in the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? Look, for the Gentiles seek after these things. Here's that in the Buffy Cook translation. Lost folks act like that. Lost folks are anxious and worried over every little thing. Your heavenly Father knows what you need them all, but seek first the kingdom of God and, its, and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. And here you go. Therefore, don't be anxious about tomorrow. Why? Because today's got enough problems of its own. Amen? Yeah. Well, I'd all say amen to that one. So can any of us add a single hour to our lives? No, but you can sure subtract some. One study said that caregivers had a 63% higher rate of death and in another that being a caregiver accelerated age in 9 to 17 years. Think of all the health problems that go with stress. Heart disease, asthma, obesity, diabetes, <coughs> headaches, depression, stomach problems, Alzheimer's, aging, premature death. That's probably why my wife's got so much problems with asthma because she has to put up with me and these boys. I told her, I said, you know what you're going to get for Mother's Day? We ain't going to aggravate you for 24 hours. She said, great, that'd be the best gift ever. <laughs> and stress can make just about any health problem you got a whole lot worse, can't it? Now I want you to picture Martha. I mentioned it Wednesday night. We need four-dimensional Bibles. Because when we read it, we just read black and white, and we just read that Martha was distracted with a whole lot of serving. We need to get in there, and we need to really picture now I'm going to try and give you a little picture of how Martha was acting. Her blood pressure was up. Her heart rate was up. Her lungs were constricted. She was breathing fast. You ever been so irritated? You're breathing fast and your nose is flaring. Do you see her? Her cortisol levels off the chain. That's the stress hormone. Her cholesterol's high. Her sugar's high. Her head's pounding. And her death clock's whirling faster than a ceiling fan. Just look at the language. First, look at what it says. She was distracted. That's in the imperfect tense. That means she was distracted and distracted and distracted and distracted and distracted and distracted. And that word means to draw away, to be overoccupied, distracted with cares. And then it says much serving. That word there is the word that means to kick up dust. She literally was, had worried herself and moving herself around into a literal dust storm. And then it says she was anxious. That means to go to pieces, to be torn into two. 
You know why? Because she really wanted to be sitting at Jesus' feet, didn't she? But then she has this, this expectation. She's got to be in there and doing all this for Jesus. And it literally was tearing her in two. And then the word trouble there means to be in a noisy uproar. Can you imagine? She's banging pots and pans. She's throwing stuff. She's probably kicking the dog because Mary's sitting out there while she's having to do all this. She's punching doors. She's grinding her teeth. And Jesus says, you're worried about many things. That's the word polys. He says, but one thing is necessary. Uno. You ever played Uno? What does Uno mean? One. Hashtag get rid of some junk. Martha's in a physical hot mess. I bet you when Jesus showed up, her hair was all straightened, her dress was pressed, if you could press dresses in, I don't know. But by the time this is going on, she's in a sweat, sweaty, hot, irritated mess. It cost her physically. But I want you to think more importantly of what it cost her spiritually. As I've said many times, what's true physically is true spiritually. And if stress is harmful, even to the point it can kill you physically, it can do the same spiritually. It can be harmful and kill our spiritual lives. Let me give you two ways with regards to that. First is the Word of God. Flip back to Luke chapter 8. You remember Jesus gave the parable of the souls? And He explains it to the disciples in verse 12. Remember He said that there were four that along the path that, that is then on the rock, then that that's choked out, and then the good soul. Look at what Jesus says in verse 12. The ones along the path are those who have heard, and the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so they may not believe and be saved. And the ones on the rock are those who when they hear the word receive it with joy, but these have no root. They believe for a while, and in a time of testing fall away. Skip down to verse 15. As for that in the good soul, they are those who hear the word, hold it fast, and an honest and good heart, and bear fruit with patience. Now look at verse 14. That's the one I want you to look at. As for that what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by what? The cares of this life. Any of you ever, ever literally had the word of God choked out of you? Because you're so busy with life. And so let me ask you, which soul do you want to be? I think all of us would say we want to be the good soul, amen? But the most significant question is, which soul are you? Stress kills the Word of God in our life. You know why? Because we will not make time to read it. We will not make time to study it. We will not make time to digest it. We will not make time to memorize it. And most significantly, we will not make time to apply it. Alright, second is turn to Luke 21 with regards to the second coming of Christ. How many of you believe that Jesus could come back before I even say the next word? If you ain't convinced of it, then you obviously didn't watch the news this week. Hawaii's trying to blow up. Iran and Israel are trying to nuke each other. What did Jesus say? You will hear of wars and rumors of wars and you will hear of earthquakes in various places. These are the beginnings of birth pains. That's not far away, brothers and sisters, but look at what Jesus said. How do you want to be when He comes? You want to be asleep on the job? You want to be fully awake? 
Look at what he says, verse 34. Watch yourselves. Why? Your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness. Okay, I get that. You don't want to be drunk when Jesus shows up. And look at what he says. And the cares of this life that that day come upon you suddenly like a trap. Remember what I've said before. Dr. Rogers said live as if Jesus died yesterday. He rose this morning. He's coming back this afternoon. How silly and stupid would it be to be drunk physically when Jesus shows up? But how silly would it be to be drunk spiritually when Jesus shows up because you ain't even anticipating that He's going to come? And so Jesus wants to give us, as far as application, give us this morning the gift of Mary. Learn to abide at His feet. Sit down. Take a load off. You don't want to be Mary all the time, but you need to be Mary some of the time. Amen? Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me, those who are what? Heavy burden, labor, and I will give you what? Rest. You need to sometimes sit down, take a load off. We need to learn to love the Lord more than our worries in the things of this world. 1 John 2, 15. Don't love the world. If you love the world, then what is not in you? The love of the Father. Mm-hmm. Get your eyes off your problems and off your worries and off your stresses and fix them as Hebrews 12, 2 says, on Jesus. Remember what I said? Stress is how much we take it off of Jesus and put it on our problems. So let's get it off our problems and put it back where it needs to be on Jesus. Amen? Amen. Alright, so we can forget our cares and then we can, secondly, feed our souls. I think if we're not careful, the impression we come away with when we read this story here is that who is the spiritual one between the two sisters? Mary. And what do we think about Martha? That she's not spiritual. The simple fact she invited Jesus to her home and along with if we read the whole biblical picture we have of Martha is that she was a very spiritual person. She's open to spiritual things and she longed to be a disciple of Jesus. Amen? What she desperately needed to learn was the basics. And one of those basics that every disciple of Christ has to learn is how and where to eat. It's not one of the most basic things in your life how to eat. There's a lot of things we can do without. I can do without my cell phone. I could do without my car. It might take me a lot longer to get to work, but I could do without it. Amen? But you let me go three days without water, and it's not going to be much longer, oh, Buffy Cooks, in this world. You go a certain amount of days without food and the same thing. Amen? And so if it's physically important for you to eat, then spiritually it's important for you to eat. But you remember the opening joke I told? Well, if Jesus comes to your house, what are you going to do? Well, I'm going to put the Bible on the table. Why? So at least it looks like we occasionally eat the Word of God around here. That has a lot to say for a lot of families because they would have to literally dust the Bible off and clean it off because they don't even know the last time they got the thing out and ate. It's been said that we in America are a bunch of biblical illiterates. We don't even know the Bible, little less eat it. Read it. So look at the difference between Martha and Mary here. Look first at Martha. 
Martha, verse 40, was distracted with much serving. She went up to him and said, Lord, don't you care that my sister's left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. You know the only thing she was feeding? Irritation, resentment, bitterness, anger, self-pity, her type A personality. Any of you that? Her pride, her, I put this in there, service resume. Do you know what I mean? Because as a Christian, you pull out and you go, look at my service resume. Look at what all I've done for the Lord. And he says, and when's the last time you sat at my feet? So does any of this sound familiar? Not just mothers, but us. This is what we're feeding. And that's what Martha was feeding. I mean, and so look at her actions. She's fussing. She's running around kicking up dust, kicking the dog, banging pots and pans, and I guarantee you, she was banging them very loud so Jesus could hear, but most importantly, Mary could hear that she's in there in the kitchen doing all the work. She's murmuring under her breath. She's probably opening the door from the kitchen to the living room, and she's shooting hate arrows out of her mind and death glares at Mary. And then she's even getting on to Jesus, her honored and beloved guest. I love what Dr. Wearsby said with regards to this. He said, listen to this. If serving Christ makes us difficult to live with, then something is terribly wrong with our service. I'm going to say that again because that's been true of me. And maybe it's been true of you. If serving Christ makes us difficult to live with, something is terribly wrong with our service. Now look at Mary. Look at verse 42. One thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion. A.K.A. Mary is eating the best dish in the house. I don't know what Martha's meatloaf tastes like. I know what my wife's meatloaf tastes like. And that's what I'll have for Father's Day. But I'm going to tell you what, as good as her meatloaf is, it ain't got nothing on the bread of life. She's worshiping. She's meditating. She's listening. She's learning. She's sopping Jesus up with a biscuit, ain't she? First off, she was not going to let this opportunity pass by. Jesus is a first century rabbi and he's allowing a woman to sit at his feet and learn the horror. If this would have been the Southern Baptist Convention in the day, we wouldn't allow women to sit at Jesus' feet and learn. Do you think she's going to miss this opportunity? Rabbis didn't let women do this. Women then were despised. In fact, they were exempt from the study of the Torah. It was said, let the words of the Torah be burned before you even give them to a woman. Jesus said, no. Dear Mary, come sit at my feet. Martha, come sit at my feet and listen to my words and let me teach you. Any person who ever teaches, and Dr. Gaines came out with that very clearly this week, and a statement as the Southern Baptist Convention president, any person or organization or religion that does not highly esteem women, obviously have you not read. Amen? Because Jesus loved women and esteemed them highly. And you think Mary even needed to eat? Do you think she was even hungry? Do you think when Martha brought out the mashed potatoes and the meatloaf and the green beans and all of that and the dessert, do you think she even took a bite of it? I bet she didn't. Because what did Jesus say? You don't live by bread alone. You feast on 
me. So I imagine everybody can hear my voice this morning, like Mary and Martha long to be a disciple of Jesus, but the problem is we don't feed our souls. And if we eat spiritually, we're off in one of two ways, amount or type, amount. Like I've talked about before, we're bulimic. We go out that back door, whatever I just told you, whatever Jimmy tells you, you puke it out. Or you're anorexic. If this is the only time that you are feasting on the Word of God, you have a serious problem, brothers and sisters. If you do not open this, A, if you don't even bring it to service and open it up and mark it and all that, but you don't open this thing back up between the time that you are here on Sunday and the next time you are here on Sunday, you do not understand the Christian life. Let me just be frank about that. And in the type, we're junk food Christians. We just read garbage. I mean, I'm all for the books they sell at Lifeway, but sometimes we talk about, have you read the latest book? Well, I don't know that you can improve on the book. Amen? Amen. Stop worrying about what Kyle Alderman wrote, or David Platt wrote, or Steve Gaines wrote, or Adrian Rogers wrote, and let's see what Jesus said. Amen. Or then we're baby food Christians. We're 65 years old and still sucking on a bottle and eating baby food. When God has said, progress to meat. Get out the meat and taters. Do you understand what sanctification means? Do you understand some of the deep doctrines of the Bible? Are you still on milk? Alright, as far as application, Jesus wants to give us the gift of Mary. To learn to abide at His feet. Listen to this, mamas especially. Sit down and eat. Who always eats last at your house, usually? Mamas. Is that not true? That so many times you serve everybody else and you sit down to eat last. Mm -hmm. Matthew 22, 39-40. What did Jesus say is the two greatest commandments? To love God, and then the second is this, what? Love your neighbor, what? As yourself. If I'm going to love my neighbor, then that implies that to some degree I have to love myself. Amen? And so a certain amount of self-love is appropriate. Do you love yourself? I have jokingly said that if y'all ever find me and someone says that Buffy Cook has committed suicide, y'all get a full-blown investigation because I love myself too much for that. And I know that sometimes people can get depressed and anything is possible. But I'm trying to point out that a certain amount of self-love is appropriate. And as a mama, stop doing stuff for everybody else and ignoring yourself. I'm going to say that again because only one person said amen. If you are a mama, stop doing stuff for everybody else and start doing some stuff for yourself. You put yourself 99th, 100th. Put yourself at the forefront occasionally. So sit down, eat, get a heaping helping of soul food. Here's your cross-reference. Job 32, Job 23, 12. Listen to what Job says here. It goes to mamas, but it goes to all of us. He says, I have not departed from the commandment of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my portion of food. He says, I'd rather eat from the Word of God than I would eat my favorite meal. Alright, so at the feet of Jesus, we can forget our cares, we can feed our souls, we can focus our 
priorities. Martha had ADHD before ADHD was cool. Did she not? And look at verse 38. It says, And a woman named Martha welcomed him. The language suggests that Martha was sitting and she just couldn't stand it any longer. Any of you ever had that? You sit down and then you're like, I just can't stand it. This house is so messy. I got to do this and I got to do that. And you can't stand it and you get up and you get distracted. She turned a good thing into a bad thing. It says she was distracted with much serving. Listen to some other translations. It says, the New Living Translation was she was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. Another translation, she was pulled away by all she had to do in the kitchen. The J.B. Phillips says, very worried about her elaborate preparations. Listen to this. Doing stuff for Jesus was more important than Jesus. And so like many of us, her priorities are out of whack. And what does she do? She loses it. She becomes unspiritual. Listen to the New Living Translation. It says she bursts in saying, Lord, don't you mind my sister has left me to do everything by myself. She just sits there. Tell her to get up and help me. Now, can you even fathom talking to Jesus like that? But can I tell you that you probably have? You know how I know that? Because I have. Jesus, I'm the only one around here that'll do X, Y, or Z. Like characters in the Old Testament. Lord, I'm the only one around here that's even a Christian left. And he's like, there's 7,000 other people in your neighborhood. What are you talking about? You ain't the only Christian left on this planet. Is that not how we talk to God sometimes? Lord, tell them folks down there at the church to get up off their butts or get their butt leprosy. I mean, well, that's how we talk. We talk just like Martha. And so Jesus, look at His response. You talk about amazing grace. Martha, Martha. Man, if Jesus says you're not... You know, that's kind of like when your daddy... When my daddy used to say, Buffy J. Cook! Because he called me BJ. When Buffy J. came out, I knew that was it. Jesus says, Martha, Martha. You're probably about to get... Reprimanded, He says, you're worried, upset over all these details. Just one thing is necessary, and Mary's made the right choice. Even being overly busy in His work to the point where we have no time to be at His feet can be a bad thing. Amen? Think of your own life. One pastor said, few things are as damaging to the Christian life as trying to work for Christ without taking time to commune with Christ. Can I tell you that before I went to Africa that spiritually I was as dry as the Sahara Desert? And I shared my struggles with a few people in here and they were praying for me and they knew how desperately I needed to get away. And that two weeks of time, the Lord made me back into a river of flowing water. You know how? Because I took the time to get back at His feet. As I jokingly say all the time, I got my head back on straight. And so today, we're the most unfocused generation in human history, ain't we? Working moms, think of this, in just the last 40 years has increased from 47% to 70%. 
A New York Times article in November of 2015, Stressed, Tired, and Rushed, A Portrait of the Modern Family. Both parents work full-time, and moms still do the majority of the child care and the housework. One mom said this, you basically just always feel like you're doing a horrible job at everything. Does that describe any of you? A 2014 book, All Joy and No Fun, 39% of moms say they spend too little time with the kids and 59% of full-time working moms said there wasn't enough leisure time. A 2011 Focus on the Family article, Why is Mom Too Busy? One mom said the biggest challenge to her marriage was this, the kids and their activities have somehow made it to the top of the priority list. That everything takes a back seat to gymnastics, soccer, baseball, dance, etc. A little less anything spiritual. I talked about this with Cassie when we were uh, in Africa. I had, in preparation for this, I'd already gotten this sermon, kind of the basics of it done, and I saw this lived out. When you were in Africa, you know what you see the kids doing? Entertaining themselves. You know whose responsibility it is to entertain the kids? Themselves. Now you come to America and you see whose responsibility is it to entertain the kids? The parents. And so the spiritual stuff we throw right out the window. We need to put that stuff first and foremost and baseball and some of this other stuff last. Or at least second. And so in this article they said here was some, some incentives for busyness for mom. One, cultural expectations. Moms culturally are rewarded for being busy, aren't they? Facebook, Pinterest. How many people put up, well, I slept late, watched TV, and did absolutely nothing today, posts on Facebook? And how many people then applaud it? Well, she was a lazy mom today. Two is personal satisfaction. We get personal satisfaction from being busy, don't we? We're proud at the end of a long, hard day and we're guilty at the end of a lazy, relaxing day. Can I tell you that camping the past two weekends and having nothing to do, particularly the weekend after we got back from Africa, was exactly what the doctor, the great physician, ordered. Some time to get away. Number three is uh, that it's risky. I mean, moms, if you want it done right, then who's going to do it? Me. If you let daddy do it, what's going to happen? You're going to have to redo it and clean up his mess. And heaven forbid you let the kids do it. And so the conclusion was this. Moms have the power to be less busy. You might violate cultural expectations, experience less personal satisfaction, and take on some additional risks, but you might get eight hours of sleep, you might be more personally satisfied, and you might solve your spiritual ADD by getting your priorities straight. And so Jesus wants to give us the gift of marriage. That'll learn and abide at His feet. Sit down and prioritize. Literally, sit down and budget your time. You budget your money, isn't your time as important as your money? I have had in the last two weeks so many times this verse come back to me. Psalm 90.12 Lord, teach us to number our days. It don't say years and centuries. It says days. And then in our study on Wednesday nights, don't just do something, stand there. Better yet, sit down at Jesus' feet. Amen? Yeah. Make sitting there a priority.
All right, the final thing, we forget our cares, feed our souls, focus our priorities, and then we can find ourselves. Turn uh, quickly with me to John 11. I think when we read of Martha in Scripture, you know, we focus just on the negative. You see her three times, and in John 12, 1, it says they gave a dinner for him, Jesus, at Lazarus' house, and Martha served. And we go, oh, there's old Martha serving again. Oh, Martha, you know her. she got to be serving. You remember what happens in Luke 11? Lazarus dies, right? Now let's, as Paul Harvey says, get the rest of the story. Look at verse 17. Now when Jesus came, he found Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. Now look here at verse 20. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. She's got a problem. She knows who to take it to. Amen? Look at verse 21. She's got faith, not the size of a mustard seed. She's got the faith the size of a mountain. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. If you'd have been here, he wouldn't have died. But even now, I know whatever you ask, God's going to give it to you. That's some amazing faith, is it not? And then look at what Jesus said. Uh, Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. She said, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection on the last day. She was more spiritual than a lot of Sadducees men who didn't even believe in the resurrection. And then she makes the greatest confession of faith. Look at verse 25. I am the resurrection of life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said, Yes, Lord, I believe you are the Christ, the Son of God who's coming into the world. She was a great spiritual woman. The problem is she allowed busyness to make her lose her identity. Because what does she start doing? The one that she loves the most, she starts to rebuke and to get on to. Jesus. You remember what we said was, or what was the title of our sermon series through Ephesians? Identity crisis. What was Paul's cure? 36 times he says, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. I heard this quote. I shared it with Vicki earlier in the week. Listen to this. It said, if Christians could learn the value of spending time at Jesus' feet, a lot of psychiatrists and psychologists would have to go out of business. Listen to me if you're here and you're a mama, you're a daddy, you're just a sir, just a ma'am. You're a young man. You're a young woman. Your true worth, your identity, it is not in the fact that you are a mama. It is not in the fact that you are a wife or a household slave to clean up everybody's mess. It is not that you are a daddy. It is not that you are a husband. It is not, listen to me young people, that you are a high school senior, junior, whatever, it is not in how popular you are. It is not in your body sexually, young men and young women. It is not that you are retired and useless for those of us who have grayer hair. Your true identity is that you are a child of the one true King Jesus Christ. That is your identity first and foremost. 1 John 3, 1. What love the Father has that we would be called sons and daughters. Ephesians 2.10 You are His masterpiece. If you are ever tempted to forget, here's your three F's. Listen to this. 
that you are forgiven, free, and fabulous. Forgiven, free, and fabulous. Read Romans chapter 8 and it will remind you. So Jesus wants to give us the gift of Mary to learn to abide at His feet. Sit down and just soak up the Father's love. Amen? As Amy pointed out, fill up your cup. I love how God works things out, this message and that gift, to remind you to sit at Jesus' feet and fill up your own cup so you can then pour into others. Amen? So in closing, y'all familiar with <coughs> Where's Waldo? It's a book series that was published in 1987. Wally travels to everyday places and he sends postcards to the reader and those are the pictures in the book and the reader has to locate Wally. It's kind of like Elf on the Shelf before Elf on the Shelf was cool and making lots of money. So why do I mention Where's Waldo? Because listen to me. Every person that's in here, whether you're male, female, a mama or not a mama, if Jesus were to send a postcard of you to you, where would he put you? Would he put you in Thornville? Spiritually choked by the cares of this life? Maybe he would put you in Ethiopia, spiritually starving to death. Maybe he'd put you on priorities out of Whack Island because spiritually you're out of focus. Maybe he'd just put you in unnamed territory because you have no clue who you are and you forgot your true identity. Jesus wants to give you the gift of Mary. Not just today, but today. He wants you to yearn to be at his feet more than he wants you to yearn to have a tidy house, a big dinner, a job promotion, or a fat bank account. Amen? So where's Waldo? Where does this morning find you? Come sit at Jesus' feet where you can forget your cares, feed your soul, focus your priorities, and find yourself. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word. Father, again, just thank you for our mothers. I ask, Father, a special blessing upon each and every one here today. Father, I pray, as Amy said, that for some people this isn't a happy day. And Father, I pray that as the God of comfort, that only as you can do, that you would just comfort those that may be hurting today, that have lost mothers, Father, that have uh, lost children. I just pray whatever struggles we may have, that Father, as the God of comfort, you would comfort us today. Father, I pray that you would help each and every one of us to get rid of the business in our life and just truly come sit at your feet and just soak you up. Father, I pray for any here today that need to make a decision for salvation, that, Father, you would just stir their heart through the Holy Spirit, convict them of sin, righteousness, and judgment in the words that I'm about to say and through your word that will be proclaimed. For it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. And for our invitation, we talked a lot about gifts, and so I want to ask you, how many of you here got a gift this morning from somebody already? How many of you here gave a gift to somebody this morning? Do you know the greatest gift we can ever give or receive? <coughs> it's the gift of a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Y'all remember what I said was the highlight of my Africa trip? Being able to tell a man how a tuberculosis certificate <coughs> could actually be a certificate that got him into the gates of heaven. Paul in 2 Corinthians 9 called Jesus the gift too wonderful for words, and surely he is. Amen? That gift you got this morning, that gift you gave this morning, you know what's going to happen to it? 
going to tear up. It's going to get consumed. But you know what? Jesus is forever. Look at what He said to Martha. I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in Me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in Me shall never die. Do you believe this? That's the most important word. Do you believe this? Have you ever put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ? Better have all your eggs in one basket. Y'all remember me saying that about Psalm 90:12? Dr. Craig told me this week that a patient of his was telling him that he had a brother retired last week at the age of 62. Whole life ahead of him, man. Golden years. Retired. Going to enjoy life. He's out mowing the grass and he killed over dead of a heart attack. We may not make it out these back doors before one of us dies or Jesus Christ busts the sky wide open. And this may be the last opportunity you have to receive Him as Savior. And so if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, come receive the free gift of eternal life. You won't be sorry that you did. Amen? And if you have received Jesus, I want to challenge each and every one of us with this. Give Him away this week. Find two people that you can share Jesus with. You know, we talked about, and Susan brought it up this morning, we don't pray with expectation, do we? You see, I could pray like this. Lord, show me two people to share the gospel with this week, and I really don't have any expectation that God's going to answer that no more than a man in the moon. Or I could pray like to pray in Africa, and I could say, Lord, I know you're going to give me two people this week. You slow me down, to recognize those people and Lord you give me the mouth to speak what you want me to speak to them and if we would pray that prayer God will answer it I told Jimmy we talked about it this week you know why we don't have stuff because we just don't ask ask him to give you two people this week to share the gospel with and so if Lord leads two people to your mind as we're having the invitation sink it in if you've never received Jesus as we stand and sing this morning, come receive the resurrection and the life. Stand page 285. Take up thy cross and follow me. I've heard my master Where?